Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. I am Kevin Foote at Form Alley Golf Course. Just up the road from the studio, Dawson is back in the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. And as we've been doing each Monday, we will begin the show with UL baseball coach Matt Deggs. How are you, sir? Hey, Kev. Good morning. I'm doing great. How are you? I, I bet you are. All right. So, you know, yesterday I described it. Your, your, your starting lineup was to me, was kind of like, um, you know, some people like to just put everything they can in a gumbo, and you just kind of mix it all up, and it worked. Yeah, thankfully it did. You know, we're uh, we're battling some injuries, and, and uh, I've got a couple of key guys not available right now. And, uh, you know, so I was really proud of the way our bench played all weekend. They were uh, ready to go. They produced – and uh, really, we're pivotal in, in all three games. All right, so uh, I'm, I'm assuming C.J. Willis. I mean, like, who? who what are the long-term issues in, in any of the injuries that you mentioned? Oh, I think they're, you know, they're day-to-day. But uh, they're, you know, we're talking about a wrist. We're talking about a back. You know, injuries that are are not just nagging. Those are hard to deal with when you're hitting. Right. All right. One of the guys who kind of came through and did a good – was on base a lot and, and has had some big hits of late is Ben Robichaux. Uh Tell us about him and what, what you've seen on him that – you know, he was hitting in the leadoff spot yesterday. Yeah, and he's going to stay there for the foreseeable future. I mean, he uh, – it's an accident and it's not, you know – it's not an overnight deal. It's just that kid led our team in hitting in the fall, and, and uh, that's out of everybody. I think he hit four-something in the fall, and then in spring training was right back near the top again. And, and uh, he's still young, though. He's still maturing. And, uh, you know, he's he's learned how to practice how we practice and learned how to get after it like, like the way we like to get after it. And he's still working on his defense, but – uh, the bat is special, and and he's he's a smaller target to pitch to, but he's pound for pound one of the strongest kids on the team. The swing is short and compact, uh, and then he happens to get in that bat against Mississippi State and turns 97 around down the right field line, and that's just not something you can teach. And so at that point, uh, I said, "All right, let's go. Let's see what we got here." Yeah, again, also, it seems like John Taylor's starting to kind of get more consistent and uh, maybe be what you thought he could be. Yeah, I'm real impressed with uh, John right now. He uh, He's a gamer. He loves to play. He's got a big-time passion for the game. And, and even when he was on the bench, you know, he had incredible attitude, great teammate, kept working. And, uh, you, you know, you're seeing the fruits of that right now, Kev. Uh, got nearly a 500 on base and, and starting to play pretty good defense and, and starting to play with some, some attitude and swagger out there, and it's just kind of dripping off of him, and it's, it's contagious. So when he's at second base and Kyle's obviously at short, 
I mean, have you ever had a second a double play combination with more attitude and confidence and a personality? I mean, no, those two are something. Yeah, they're pretty good, uh, and it's it's nice to have. We, you know, pound for pound, I don't think you can find a better middle of the field than than we have right here uh, with with Jew behind the dish, and then Big John and Debo and and Rock and Center. Uh, I think there is one other combination between Baby Blake Trahan and and uh, Chase. That was that was a pretty good one too. Yeah. All right. So the pitching was something I was concerned about, but with each week, it seems like I'm getting a little less concerned about the pitching and, and starting to see how these options play out long term. How do you? How much confidence did this last week give you in terms of where y'all are pitching wise? Yesterday was big because, you know, Jack saved our bullpen as well going into another five-game week. And, uh, you know, we had talked about that. We, everybody could kind of see that type outing coming on the horizon, and it finally showed up. Uh, and, and you know, I think you could see us tinker a little bit now with uh, possibly moving uh, Jack's up and using moods more in a, a swing role because he's so valuable out of the bullpen and starting. Uh, and I think, you know, because the competition's only going to get tougher uh, moving down the road in, in conference and, and uh, winning the first game and then being able to clinch a series is huge. So uh, I don't think we've settled on where we're going to end up, but I think, like you said, we're getting a lot closer. Well, you know, I was going to ask you that question, and, and you kind of made the comment after yesterday's game that yesterday was like, looked like a Friday night game on a Sunday afternoon because the other two games were so high scored and this one was 3-1. to one. So it can be a weapon if you have a great starting pitcher uh, on a Sunday in game three, but you have to be able to compete well enough in games one and game two. So is that is that a hard decision or is that a little tricky? No, I don't think it is because I, I think the most valuable guys on a staff are, are what I call utility guys that can start, they can close, uh, you know, they can pitch in any role that you want, and they're they're uh, very durable and can pitch a couple of times a week. Uh, and I think you have that in modes. And, and uh, you know, Jax is, like you said, incredible Sunday guy, but uh, I think you're going to see the emergence of Sam Hill coming on and uh, – you know, we'll see on, on McGeehee, uh, his status, and he's kind of up and down a little bit. So uh, I, I think moving forward, that just gives us some more options to win the game at hand. And, and to win a league, man, you've got to win the game you're in and uh, try to push off as many Sundays as you can and, and uh, take care of business, you know, that that's right in front of you. Uh, can't say enough about, uh, Jake and, and Hammond and, and the job that he's done on Friday nights. I mean, that's just been about as solid as it gets. And uh, so just kind of looking at that moving forward, this five-game week will tell us a lot and uh, kind of see where we're at. So you mentioned Sam. I didn't get a chance to see. I haven't seen him. He hasn't pitched much. So do you see him long-term as like a starter in midweek or even a starter on the weekend? I don't know. I think that'll play itself out. You know, midweeks are as important to me as, as Friday nights. And uh, if if you're a team that's going to contend to host and, and be in regionals, they got to be. Uh, so, 
right now we're in these five game weeks and and probably run him out tomorrow night uh and then uh take a look at him you know depending on how long he's out there he could be available on the weekend but he's really starting to come on and and uh he's really impressed me in the progress that he's made so far all right so um in around the sun belt it was kind of a strange i mean there were a lot of sweeps yesterday and I don't know how you look at it, but y'all are about to go to Mobile. I'd rather that they had not gotten swept in that first um, at Georgia Southern, but obviously Georgia Southern's very good. So uh, the results of the other game, there's so many good teams in this league, but anything kind of stick out to you? Well, it's a crazy league. You know, that that, uh, Texas uh, State-Southern Miss was a heck of a series uh, where I think Texas State winds up getting two out of three at home. Uh, Old Dominion went to ULM and, and took care of them. And uh, obviously Georgia Southern and South Owl, that was a little bit of a surprise. I think the biggest surprise for me was the uh, Georgia State sweeping Troy. Troy had been off to such a great start. Uh, but, look, this league's crazy. It's a lot like the SEC and its competitive balance. You don't know from one week to the next. I mean, we got swept to open up conference last year and, and – ultimately put ourselves in a position to win the league. Uh, so uh, you just don't know. you got to have a short memory and uh, be able to bounce back real quick. Like Absolutely. So I know, um, you know, you, you and you mentioned many times, you like to, you know, if it was up to you, y'all would play every day. So I know that you don't look at these five-game weeks as a chore. You, you, you relish them. So what does it look like pitching-wise these next two games to begin this five-game week? I think it's, uh, you know, we, we don't have Toit right now. Uh, you know, I think McGeehee's still bouncing back from his previous start. This may be a slow go. I don't know. Uh, so, you know, getting good starts is key. And, uh getting guys like Cooper and David Christie to come in and be able to kind of calm things down for us uh, is ginormous. And then uh, guys at the back of that thing, I, I, I can't be any more impressed with the job Marshall's done. And uh, so some of what I'm looking at is necessity too. We need some, a uh, couple more guys probably at the back of that thing. Uh, looking at maybe moving Raymond LaFleur back to the mound. He had an incredible outing last year from the left side. It's a power arm. Uh, and then kind of started barking, and, and we just focused on his bat. But I think he's in a position to help us uh, from the left side. Uh, so, this is like I said, this, this week I think you'll see a couple of guys maybe you haven't seen a whole lot of. Uh, and we're going to need big performances. I think a big key is getting uh, Tommy Ray going. And if we can get that big boy going and and doing his thing, I think that's going to set us up real nice. Should be fun to watch. Coach, we appreciate it. Congratulations on the weekend sweep, and and good luck the next two days. Okay, thanks, Kev. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline is 706-0111-337-706-0111 if you would like to get in. Um, now that we've talked to Coach Deggs about Cajun baseball, the rest of today's show like we typically do on a Monday is uh, a lot of open phone line opportunities. So if you would like to get in, certainly feel free to do that. Got, I mean, unbelievable amounts to talk about. I don't even um, – we've got Cajun baseball swept. The softball team swept in Hattiesburg. They were down and scored nine runs in the six and turned what looked like a maybe not, you know, a, a disappointing loss into a run – uh, that was that was unbelievable. So they got a, they got a sweep on the road in Southern Miss. They come home to play App State this weekend at Lamson Park. The baseball team, as we mentioned with Coach Deggs, will go to Mobile to play South Alabama, which is a little scary because the Jags just got swept by Georgia Southern. Now, if you remember, Georgia Southern was was really good last year, and it's supposed to be. It's not like it's embarrassing to get swept, but. Um, you know, you, you know, you, they're going to playing with a little extra sense of urgency. LSU went to college station, won two out of three. You know, I know that because LSU is so good this year, every loss is going to seem like, oh no, how did this happen? But still, when you go on the road in the SEC and win two out of three, it can only be so bad, folks. I mean, it's just. You know, they're not going to win every game, um, and they did it. But, um, you know, they did win two out of three. LSU softball, which, I, I, you know, I didn't really know what to think of them. They got swept this weekend. That was a little bit surprising. But um, they weren't supposed to have quite the record that they did to start off with, and we'll see how that plays out in SEC play. I – um Basketball, I'm still kind of recuperating. Not only did I have a very long drive back, took me way longer than I thought, like 15 hours to get back on uh, driving back on Friday. And then, of course, Saturday we had our fantasy draft until 1 in the morning. So it was, you know, still recuperating from a very eventful weekend. I did not get to see because it was going. we were following it during our fantasy draft. The World Baseball Classic, the United States beating Venezuela. And, you know, I had people, I heard people saying it was the most exciting game they've ever seen, the most exciting game they've ever played in. Uh, I regret that I missed it, but at least the USA won, and they crushed Cuba's face last night. So now they will play tomorrow night to try to repeat as World Baseball Classic champions against the winner of Mexico and Japan, which play tonight. So we'll see how that plays out. All right, let's go. To the game hotline. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. What you doing back over here, Kevin? Oh man. Didn't we say was... that? We, didn't we say we, we we agreed that you were going to come back if the case that's occasionally one? <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it just you know down the stretch they just didn't have get in, get much offense from Greg and Cantrell and I. You just, you know, it it was worrying me, and and they got they combined for zero points, and they just didn't have enough scoring options. But man, didn't it just make you feel a little better to see Tennessee crush Duke's face? It sure did. <laughs> it, it really surprised me too. But 
Kevin, what I really wanted to talk to you about the world. If you was talking about the World Baseball Classic. Uh, you, you, have you heard about this pitcher that's starting for Japan tonight? It's Sasaki. Um, no. What about him? <laughs> well, they say he's the best pitcher on the planet. Number one, he uh, the first game uh, in three in over three innings. He only pitched over three innings because they were beating that team bad. I think it was Italy. He averaged over a hundred point one miles. He averaged a hundred point one miles per hour in them three innings. Average. Now he uh, he's starting tonight's game against Mexico. He yeah, he is. I wish I would love to see him against uh, against some American hitters. But uh, yeah, that's that kid that uh, last year in his first two games he pitched two no hitters. Well, pitched one no hitter, and then the second game he pitched a no hitter to the eighth inning. The coach took him out because his pitch count was high. You heard about this guy, hadn't you? I don't know. I don't pay attention. So, is he gonna? Is it? Is it? Is there any plan of him coming to Major League Baseball? Well, I mean, you know how it is in Japan. I mean, he's, I think he's he's stuck over there till he's twenty five. But boy, let me tell you, everybody's gonna be going after him. Kevin, watch him tonight. I haven't seen him pitch yet. I mean, I've just I've just been hearing about him. I mean, I'm excited to see him. I mean, they say this cat is Jacob Degrom on steroids. I mean, he does everything better than Degrom, but they said that's the closest comp they got to him. I can't believe you never heard about him. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's possible, but I, I don't I don't worry about if it can't impact the Astros, I ain't worried about it. If it comes over here, then we'll worry about it. Well, just check them out tonight, Kevin. Uh, I mean, I will too. I, mean, I want to see what all the uh, the hubbub is about him. But they say he is the real deal. He's, you know, he's not a two way player like the great Otani, and he's not as big physically. I think he's a little bit slimmer, but I think he is about six three, two o three, which is a good, the perfect pitching frame you want. So uh, check it out. They say his fastball, his uh, splitter is unhittable. <laughs> I mean, with that fastball coming in so hard, I guess when he throws that splitter when he's ahead of the count, I mean, he gets, the hitters have no shot. So they're not, they're not trying to win the whole thing? Why wouldn't they pitch him against the United States? Well, they're probably saving Otani. Wouldn't you think? Oh, I got you, yeah. I got you. I got you. Probably so. You're right. But he sounds like a better pitcher than Otani. Well, I guess he is, but, I mean, I guess he's young. Maybe they don't trust him as much as they do Otani. I don't know, but Mexico's pretty good too now. It's not like they, uh, they go, they're playing, you know, we were playing the kind of a, like a weaker team against Cuba, but I mean, Mex- isn't Mexico pretty good? Well, Mexico has pitching. I don't think their their lineup is all that great, but they supposedly have the best or the second best pitching in, in, in this whole thing. I thought Venezuela had a real good team. I mean, I was surprised. I wasn't surprised we beat him, but I mean, when we fell behind, I didn't think we were going to catch him because your boy Garcia was tearing it up when he was in there. But when uh, when we got when uh, the United States got him off the mound, then uh, then they started to hit him. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. All right. Watch it, Kevin. Later. Take care. You know, he mentioned he was surprised. I I, I was surprised that game was what it was between Tennessee and Duke, but. I got a chance to see Duke play right before uh, the Cajuns played on Thursday, and I really was not that impressed by their performance. Now, Roach played great. I mean, he was fabulous, and Whitehead had some moments, but no one else, I didn't think anyone else played well. So I I really wasn't that impressed with Duke's performance. It wasn't, oh, man, how's anybody going to beat Duke? I was like... 
man, I expected them to look better than what they looked at. Now, it's a first-round game, so that can happen. But, you know, you could tell when the Cajuns played Tennessee that Tennessee was missing this point guard. I mean, it was pretty obvious uh, that they were. They had a lot of sloppy turnovers. But you could also tell they had athletes. I mean, they had trees, and these guys, you know, are not skinny. I mean, they were just, you know, as they say, they look like men. I mean, these were they are they're very athletic. And so I was thinking, you know, they match up pretty well with Duke. Uh I didn't know how many shots they'd make because Tennessee's not a great offensive team, but they are a great defensive team. And um again, without Roach, Duke wasn't executing very well other than Roach. And I, I said if they can figure out a way to keep Roach from dominating, which Oral Roberts was not able to do. Of course, Oral Roberts didn't make any shots. I mean, they made it easy on Duke. I mean, they just didn't make any shots. It's hard to, to win in basketball if you don't make any shots. And and Oral Roberts just shot the ball horribly. But um, So, again, I'm not shocked that Duke lost because I wasn't real impressed with their opening win and how they played. But the fact that it was in that kind of a dominant fashion was a little surprising just because I didn't know Tennessee had that kind of offense against a good defense defensive team like Duke is. So interesting. I mean, they, I never did fill out a bracket, and I'm almost glad because, man, how it, 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 it's crazy all the things that have happened in this NCAA tournament so far. So, Dawson, don't tell me that you have your bracket looks good right now. No, no, it sure doesn't. Uh, probably the worst bracket I've ever filled out. I've been pretty good. Like, I always enter the ESPN one, and, and I'm usually up around the 75th, 80th percentile. Uh, pretty consi- Like, I've, I've been pretty good at it. I'm, at, I'm in, like, the 13th percentile right now. I mean, I'm, I'm worse than, like, 80% of the brackets out there. Hey, I don't know how anybody has a good bracket. Oh. What's going on uh, so far in this tournament? So, I'm assuming you were watching basketball, and you probably missed that thrilling USA-Venezuela game as well. Uh, I saw some of it. So I saw – I was actually at the Monster Truck show that uh, we had been advertising on the station here. Um, and then I, when I got home from that, I saw – and I had it on my phone a little bit here and there. And then I saw the Turner Grand Slam right after it happened. That's right when I turned it on. So that was a great time to tune in. And then saw the last two innings completely. Um, but, yeah, what an electric atmosphere. Again, I, I will – continue to tell people I, I enjoy the World Baseball Classic as much as any regular season MLB game. Um, it was awesome, and I, I thought you saw that. You saw the uh, the energy involved. It's unfortunate what happened to Altuve, but again, the Astros will be fine. I'm not as concerned as some people are with that. I mean, you've got guys who can step in and play second base, and this team's deep for a reason, so we'll see that. But uh, it, was an, it was an excellent game. Unfortunately, the game with Cuba I thought would be more competitive than it was. Um, but the U.S. rolls, and now they uh, – I'm hoping they're going to see Japan because I want to see the matchup with Otani and this pitcher that they're talking about potentially. But um, either way, you either get the rematch with Mexico who beat you early in the tournament or you get Japan. So it should be a fun championship game regardless. So I fell asleep at 12-2 to 2 last night. What, what did the final score end up being? It was 14-2. to 2, the US Oh, okay. Won. Yeah. So um, Trey Turner hit two more home runs yesterday like this guy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he. Um, it seems silly that Jeff McNeil was starting for a couple of games there, huh? Yeah, uh, Jeff McNeil. Like, please, let's stop. 
I mean, I, I mean, I guess they were listening to the show because if you remember, I said, "Well, they said yeah. you said, well, who's going to play second base?" I said, "Well, just move Tim Anderson to second. I know he's never played second, but it can't be that difficult to move from short to second, and it's worked pretty well." Well, and Mike Trout listened to you when you told him to do something. So, I mean, everybody was listening to you apparently. Although I, we had another classic John Smoltz comment. Last night, he basically said, I don't see how the American team scored nine runs. Talking about the game before. I don't know how they scored nine runs with Mike Trout striking out three times. Yeah, well, maybe because they have like six of the best ten hitters on the planet in the lineup. <laughs> I mean. Oh, the whole Mike Trout thing just drives me crazy sometimes. But anyway, um, no, it was, um, it, 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 it's been great. And, and, you know, we'll see. I think most people or a lot of people thought Japan was the team to beat. So it it, it could be a classic game if, if Japan beats Mexico tomorrow. We'll see how, how that how, how that plays out. Um, you know, this whole last four or five days has just been a blur for me. So, you know, I'm still trying to process everything that's going on in the NFL with the Saints and man, I, you know, I know last year everybody made a lot of fun of the of the NFC South. But they have, man, how active has the NFC South been? I mean, now, you know, what, yesterday, Thielen went to the Arnolds, and, the, you know, the Arnolds and the Falcons have been active. The Saints have been active. It's been a, it's been a crazy offseason for the NFC South. Yeah, the Thielen signing's the first, uh, the first one that really kind of raises my eyebrow, where you go, that could be. Now, and, and it was interesting to me that Thielen, I don't know what his market was like, but He's a guy who's on the back end of his career, certainly, and he chose to go to a place that's presumably going to start a rookie quarterback or at least, you know, Andy Dalton. I was a little surprised that that's where he chose to go. Um, I guess he just relishes the opportunity to be the number one guy again because he hasn't been that in a few years once Diggs emerged, and then, of course, they brought in Justin Jefferson. So maybe that was more of what it was about for him. But I was surprised with, with, where, with him going to Carolina. I mean, I don't know of any connections he has with Frank Wright. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not sure. Um, you know, Minnesota has had a ton of guys come through, so there's a chance that he's had some previous relationships with other guys within the Carolina coaching staff. But, um, yeah, I don't know of a direct connection there. I just I thought he was going to want to go to a contender um, and or at least a team with an established quarterback, and he did not go to either one. So, Maybe Carolina thinks they're going to contend right away. I don't, but again, when you're starting a rookie quarterback and/or Andy Dalton, I don't know how much how serious your contention can be in this first year. All righty, well, we'll take a timeout. Come back again with just unpacking because there's so much that happened over the weekend, and it's going to continue to um, to get busy again. The Cajuns have another five game week, and it's it's a um, certainly a busy time of the year. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline, 337 706 
337-706-0111 if you would like to get in, talk college baseball, college softball, World Baseball Classic, NFL, NCAA Tournament, whatever you would like. Uh, just a ton going on right now. It's just um, crazy how much is, is going on. One of the things that happened on Saturday in that um, in that USA Today, USA Today, USA victory over Venezuela was that Jose Altuve got hit by a pitch, broken thumb, out eight to ten weeks. Um, my first thought when that happened was they need to get pro for. I've been trying to figure out why they haven't signed him to begin with. And then you get the news yesterday that he signed with the Rockies. So I don't know. You would, you know, I, I don't have a clear, other than him, I don't have a clear target of someone that could go pick up. It would seem like Profar would have been perfect. He's played a lot of second base in his career, could play some outfield because they don't really have a lot of depth in the outfield either. Uh, and yet that didn't happen. So, you know, well, I guess we're about to see what kind, what Hensley can do, get a good flavor of him. We've heard off-season reports about how Mauricio Dubon gained a bunch of weight and uh, trying to become a little more physical at the plate. He's a guy who can play center field or short or second, and uh, he's versatile on the defensive stand side of things, and he's, you know, athletic, but he's just not a very strong hitter at all. He was he was really bad most of the time offensively last year. Um, you know, he's the Major League Baseball version, I guess, of a, of a slap hitter, and yet not a real good one even. So we'll see, you know, suppose he put on 25 or 30 pounds, something like that, and muscle, and we'll see how, how that plays out and if he can be a little more physical at the plate this year. But, you know, it, it, obviously I wish that Altuve was not hurt, but um, as long as he can come back in June and um, at some point, and remember, basically you have two weeks before that, so... Um, even if the eight to ten week thing is accurate, you know you, you you're still looking at you know it's more of you know six to eight because the first two weeks, you know, it was like you know it's like what a week and a half till they play. So you know, I it's not good, but it, it's they they should be fine. Um, and and who knows, Hensley um, might play well. And and they they just have to mix and match and and, and you know figure that out. So, um, fan wise, you know he's one of the more popular guys on the team. So they they're they're going to be upset with that. Um, I guess there will be people again. Look, there are people that hate the World Baseball Classic that think this is silly, shouldn't be doing it. The players who play in it love it. Um, I, I think it's really cool. I enjoy it. I don't want guys to get hurt. But, but again, uh, I saw a report earlier today, the Padres, you know, Juan Soto and, and Austin Nola got hurt. I mean, and that was in spring training games. So we all know that you can get hurt otherwise as well. But, um, you know, just have to deal with it. We'll see how aggressive the Astros are. May, the problem is you can't really wait, like, 
you kind of if if you feel like you're going to need someone, you kind of need to pick them up now, you know, because um, you know it's not like three weeks into the season, most people will already be whatever team they're going to be on, and you would have to make some sort of trade. So seems like it would be better if they would have addressed it now if they're going to, or they're just going to stick with what they've got um, in terms of the minor leagues or just guys who are already going to be on the team. I am still a little worried, especially if Brantley doesn't uh, start this season on the team, which there's some talk that he might not be ready for opening day and, you know, there was some question whether El Pedro Grande is going to be ready for opening day. And so that's not a lot of depth in the outfield. So it's not just second base. That's why Profar to me would have been perfect because he's got experience as an outfielder. He's got experience at second base. Um, you know, I was surprised they hadn't signed him before this happened. And now a day after it happens, he signs with the Rockies. So we'll see how. That plays out long term, but it is a, um, you know, it's it's going to be a little bit of a pain, but it also be interesting to see. Hensley played well at times last year in a very small sample size and um, sh- did not seem overwhelmed by being in the major league, so it'll be fun to watch him see how, how things go there. Again, we are, the first game is like, is it 10, 11, 12, something like that, days away? We're only about a week and a half away from the start of the Major League Baseball season, so that's kind of interesting. It's it's kind of crept up on us in one way, and yet we've been talking a little bit about it uh, for a while, and um, the assuming that the games get played weather-wise, the World Baseball Classic will end tomorrow is the schedule for the finals game Um USA versus either Mexico or Japan. So once that happens, we'll definitely shift gears and and be focused um, on the start of of the Major League Baseball season. And we'll, you know, obviously the Astros will be doing it without Altuve. You know, I, I think what happened to the Mets in losing their closer for the season is a much bigger deal um, than losing Altuve for a couple months or you know maybe just shy of a couple months. I also would kind of expect that Altuve will probably try to beat the timetable a little bit and come back even sooner, Um, but we'll see. I mean, a lot of that may depend on how the team is doing. Um, You know, if they get off to a good start, then I would think that they would be extra cautious because there would be no reason to rush him back at all. So we'll see how that plays out. But, no, again, obviously injuries are kind of can put a damper on any excitement, no matter how good the, the event is, and especially when you're this close to the start of the baseball season. So we'll see how, you know, hopefully there's no more injuries. Um in the in these final two games of the World Baseball Classic, and you know, I don't think anything. I don't think it's going anywhere. Even though there's some people that absolutely hate it, and I and I I understand why they hate it, but I don't think it's going anywhere because the players just really really seem to love it. And you know, they're they're saying thing in press conferences like they don't know why anybody wouldn't play in this. It's like the most fun they've ever had playing baseball kind of stuff. And so the players love it. And the fans, I mean, it's like a, a World Cup atmosphere. Like, they're going, they're, they go, they're going crazy. Right, and, and that's 
where like in an era where all-star games have gotten dull and flat and people you know players aren't interested in them and events you know are not intriguing you get an event like this where the players are literally some players especially from the hispanic countries talking about they would rather a world baseball classic championship than a world series just because of how much it means to them in their countries Yes, uh, I think it's something to cherish, and I, you know, again, I know it's not everybody's thing. Again, it's not every year too. It's not like they're going to start making this annual event. It's still only every four years, so I think it's great, and I and I enjoy every second of it. I agree. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back. Be back. This is footnotes on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Once again, the game hotline is 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. We've talked, hit on several of the many things that are going on in the world of sports here regionally and nationally, and I guess internationally with the World Baseball Classic. Uh, I mentioned in passing about Cajun softball over the weekend Scored a ton of runs in the first two games. We're down two to one in the sixth. Um, going to the sixth inning yesterday in Hattiesburg, and Sophie Piscos led off with one of those games where one of those at bats where she fouls off pitch after pitch after pitch, and then gets a walk, and then that you never know what's going to happen, but that is the beginning of a nine-run sixth inning, and she contributed the sec. She came back around this second at bat in that inning and had a two-run single. So um, she had a, you know, Carly Heath continues to have an incredible season at the plate, and she's doing very well. She pitched a little bit yesterday as the starting pitcher, and so, you know, the Cajuns, um, got, you know, I don't think, Anybody, I mean, uh, S- Southern Miss had a pretty good record, but they hadn't really played much. And so you kind of felt like the Cajuns were going to win. But again, it was 2-1 to one in the sixth inning yesterday, so you don't know how that's going to play out. And then they're at home against App State over the weekend, expected to win that one. Obviously, uh, Texas State and there's South Alabama and a couple other teams are going to be much more uh, of a threat as the Sunbelt season goes on. But you could tell, talking to Coach Dex, he's still got a lot of questions, just like softball does, in terms of the lineup and who's going to end up playing well. There's a lot of options. Um, Lauren Allred didn't get a whole lot of playing time through the first month of the season. And yet now, you know, she seems like she's kind of entrenched as a, at first base. And she she got a two run single to 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 cap off that that nine run sixth inning yesterday. So she seems to be doing well, and and so there's just a lot of potential. You know, Coach Glasgow talked about it from the beginning. You know, they had fourteen or fifteen good players, and it was a matter of figuring out who was going to do what. 
And um, so far, it, it, there's no clear-cut answer. You know, it's some some girls are really good defensively. Others are much better at the at the plate than they are defensively. And so it can it it's a big puzzle piece, but not all the puzzle pieces seem to fit sometimes, and to make it the exact picture. And it's you know we are now going into the second week in a conference play, and there is still a lot of question marks like. What are you going to do here, and what are you going to do there? And sometimes you just play the hot hand and go with it. And we'll continue to see Megan Sherman pitch really well in her first um, start. Got a lot of run support over the weekend, and then pitched in relief yesterday, and and got a win as well. So lots of uh, good things for for Cajun softball over the weekend. In addition to baseball, you know, I don't, you know, who knows how it's going to play out. I think Arkansas State at home is going to be one of the easier uh, conference weekends the Cajuns are going to have during this Sun Belt season. Uh, you know, you go on the road to face South Alabama, who just got swept and. You know, they may not be, this might not be the best South Alabama team, but this is a rivalry that goes back decades. And so, you know, you don't feel like that's going to be an easy weekend in Mobile, and especially the fact that they just got swept because when you got when you get swept in your first series and then you're coming home, man, you know, you, you, you got an uphill climb. You don't want to fall too far behind in the conference standings to, to where, you know, you, you it's going to be very difficult to – to come back, the, you know, the one series that I would have liked if I was going to watch one over the weekend, it would have been that saying Coach Dex uh, referred to this when we talked to him at the beginning was Southern Miss and Texas State. I mean, that was a, a great series. I, last week was so busy, I didn't really survey the sun, the overall Sunbelt schedule. I knew who the Cajuns were playing, but I didn't really pay that close attention to who everyone else was playing. And then once the weekend got going, I'm like, man, boy, that really is a good series. Now, again, Southern Miss not going to – don't really think they're going to be quite as good as they were last year. But, again, again they're still going to be good. And Texas State is just really good. I mean, that – their program uh, is really good, and they're 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 a dangerous team to play. And so, a lot of lot of tough series to 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 come. Looking ahead for for Cajun baseball, and like he said, you've got certain guys that are a little banged up right now. Um, Zambo and and Willis among them, and so we'll see how guys like Ben Robichaux if they continue to come through and. It sounds. It looks like John Taylor is kind of starting to solidify his position as expected at second base, and Max still isn't hitting, and so you know the, the, there are some situations there. Connor Diggs had one real good game, and then yesterday he kind of struggled uh, getting the start, and Vayon is still kind of struggling at the plate, swinging at too many pitches out the zone, and so it is a. Um, Still a lot to – a lot of questions to be answered, but they're winning, and it's a lot easier to answer questions when you're, when you're winning than when, you, you know, you, when you're losing, then it's really difficult to, uh, to, to solve a lot of the issues that you have. And so we'll continue to see. Again, Coach Dex loves these five-week games. I'm not as high on them 
as he is, I got to tell you, these five game weeks, I should say, and you know that that's a you know especially when you got a few injuries, uh, you still got to pitch all them games, and you know you don't really have too much run rule stuff going on. That that's not really an option, and so it, it can be a challenge for sure. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back one hour down, another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome. Back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. I am out at Farm Alley Golf Course. In Karen Crow, Dawson is just up the road back in our EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. As we... Um, go into a week on a Monday. It was an incredibly busy week last week when, you know, LSU starting SEC play in, in Texas and the Cajuns starting SEC play in baseball and softball and, you know, the NCAA tournament going on and all of this NFL stuff and uh, free agency and, you know, the Saints kind of shocking many of us, you know, Typically, they don't do a whole lot early and, you know, before spring training even start. They sign Derek Carr. And then and oh, we thought they would address the running back situation. And, boy, did they ever address it. You know, I've kind of been cheated a little bit because I was in a, um, like I said, me and traffic and tolls and all that. You know, my trip to Florida was not a good one. But, anyway... It was um, – I really wasn't – because I was in the middle of all that, when we got the news, obviously the news was great to hear that the Saints had signed a three-year deal with Jamar, Jamal Williams, but I wasn't able to really appreciate it. And, and, and I don't even know if it's really sunk in yet, to, to, to be honest with you. But it is um, – I know one thing I found out in Florida that People, I don't think many people in in Florida saw Smokey and the Bandit growing up because these people, they are they, these cats were not in hot pursuit. They were not in hot pursuit at all. It's like the light turns, okay, and they just sit there. It's like, go, let's go. Like no one ever wants to go. <sighs> they just want to sit there and be in traffic. It was unbelievable. But uh, no, it was um. And an event, I mean, crazy week last week, and a crazy week this week. And what's the one thing that we have in common? We still don't know what's going on with the with the Aaron Rodgers situation. It just, it's just, I I can only imagine being a Jets fan right now. I mean, like really, Dawson, can you imagine being like? You haven't had a quarterback in a long, long time that you really liked. You have a chance to get a Hall of Fame quarterback, and you convince yourself that it was a done deal, and now you have to be wondering, well, what's going on here? Like, well, it's, what's happening? It's just like the done deal comments that were made about Derek Carr prematurely, and then we got a month of agony, and then it ultimately worked out for us. So 
We'll see if they get the reward at the end. Um, but yeah, that's what happens when you uh, kind of convince yourself of things that aren't necessarily finalized. It is. But is he worth two first-round picks? Well, you know, if he wins a title, yeah. And if not, well, maybe. I mean, I wouldn't fault them for making that deal because, you know, what what other options do they have? They think their roster's ready to win now. I think we have jumped the gun a little bit on the Jets roster. Like, they were good last year, and you could certainly see the argument that they would have been, uh, you know, a, a, a contending team with a great quarterback, but... I don't know. There's still some questions. I, I like their young receivers. I don't think they're like, you know, one of the more established, talented receiving groups in the league. So, like, I think, yeah, the defense is really good, but they lost a couple of pieces. The Saints just signed one of their D tackles. So, I don't know. I just think maybe we did uh, jump the gun a little bit on being like, well, the Jets, if you just plug and play a good quarterback, they're going to be Super Bowl contenders. I think I think we're a little a bit ahead of ourselves with that. Just maybe a little. Possible. Uh, I, I do see what I, you know, what everyone's seen about him. Now, again, the other thing is, Brees Hall has to come back and be healthy. Like I, I'm, I think he's enormously talented as well. But you know, he missed most of last season with an injury. So if he ends up missing a lot to most of this next season with an injury, then you know they're not quite as good as as many of us are thinking. If he's not uh, in that situation, you know, if he's not healthy this year. It, in that, this coming year as well, so that that is something to to keep an eye on. I I guess you play hardball as long as you have to if you're the Packers and or the Jets. But eventually, I mean, you know, now they're saying Matthew Stafford, but how healthy is Matthew Stafford going to be to be a to be a Plan B option? Yeah, I it's I wouldn't trust. That logic going in, I mean, and then what What would you have to give up to get him? What does the compensation look like in either scenario? I think plays a factor, but I guess I guess the Jets are just at the point where they're willing to give up what it takes. Which, um, again, I think maybe you're, you're jumping in a little bit in your development. Maybe you would have liked to have seen this core grow another year before you go in that. But it's also New York, and they're, uh, they're sick of not being in big games. So they're going to they're gonna yes. do what they have to do. At some, I, and, and, I mean, you think the Packers – I mean, I got to believe the Packers were planning on doing this all along. I can't believe, you know, weeks into this process, they said, you know what, this Jets team could be pretty desperate here. We might need to play more hardball with them, you know, because, you know, the rumors were that it wasn't going to take any first-round draft picks, and now they're saying two, and I can't believe the Jets had an about face there. I think we misjudged how hardball the the Packers were going to play. Yeah, well, it's weird because it's – Everything you hear and, and, you know, you can see the situation in front of you. The Packers want something for him, and the Jets want him, and the Packers seemingly are ready to move on, and Rodgers wants to move on. So it's like what would stop them, right? I, I guess you have to come up come to some sort of an agreement because the Jets don't want to give everything, and the Packers, you know. But, like, at, who has the leverage? You keep, There's not really a clear side that has the leverage in the situation, right? Because – they all want the deal to happen. So, in theory, they're both going to give up a little bit. But I guess the Packers are a little bit more content. But are they really content to potentially just not deal him? You know, I mean, it, which is, feels like the yeah, alternative. Yeah, they're going to be in a pickle, too, because they're ready to move on. Yeah, and so I guess the idea is that 
you know, if if the no trade clause is is not as a, as big of a factor, and they can feel like they can put him, and I guess maybe they're content with just keeping him on the roster if he doesn't. I don't know. I just don't. There's not like a clear situation where you know, in Derek Carr's situation, he had the full no trade clause and he had all the leverage. He could say, no, you, I'm not waiving it, so you're not trading me. And he also knew he was going to be a free agent and go wherever he wanted. With Rodgers, he's under contract, so it's not the same thing, you know? It's just it's just weird. Oh, there's no question. Uh, it is, and it's um, a lot of angst. Aquaman, my nickname for Brandon Cooks, um, is going to the Cowboys, so we'll see, you know, if he can kind of infuse that little extra deep threat into the Cowboys offense and, and, and how that will play out. You know, Aquaman kind of receivers. I don't think what the Saints need right now. They need a, they need a block out post up guy, and hopefully they can they can get that. You know, because I you know obviously a lot of Saints fans are excited about the possibility of actually getting some some good play out of Michael Thomas before he leaves, uh, if and when that's going to take place. But uh, you can't count on that. So you have to assume. To me. If you're the Saints, you have to op- continue to operate like he's not going to be there, because you can't you can't ass- you can't operate like he's going to be there. It's like you know in the coach's office you have this big depth chart, and you have to put his in like I don't know like with a shadow over it, like he's there but he's really not. I mean, don't you think? I mean, you can't count on him. He has to be full fledged lineup on your depth chart right now. Yeah, well, that's, I think, why you still address it in the draft. and But you don't have to – before you had to go get a guy that was going to plug and play and be a factor. Now you can chase a guy with upside, and if that guy doesn't necessarily work out immediately, you still feel like you have a, a safety blanket. So, uh, yeah, I still would address the position. I've said that from the get-go. I want more receivers in the room, as many as I can have. But – um you can operate with the idea that you have the floor is, is much higher than it was when you didn't have Thomas on the roster. Okay, so they're also talking about bringing Morrow in. So if they do, which I, the thing I like about that is he obviously has a connection with, with, with Derek Carr, um, and he can be a guy who can make big catches on third down, which the Saints lacked tremendously last season. Does that mean, like, is there room for him Um. And Jawan Johnson and Troutman, or does that mean Troutman's gone? Well, that's that was my thought here. I, you know, Morrow's a better blocking tight end from what I understand and from what I remember of him, both at LSU and in his time with the Raiders. Um, now we've seen Troutman be kind of inconsistent as a blocker. Jawan Johnson certainly a better receiver than blocker, of course, as a background as a wide receiver. So, I mean, you know, unless they – you also have Taysom who plays tight end a little bit. So, unless – Well, not really. Yeah, I mean, but, I, but at least takes up some of those spots in formations, right, And and to where you don't have tons of tight ends on the field with him. So, unless they're planning to run a lot of two and three tight end sets, which I don't imagine they're going to do, unless Dennis Allen wants to just throw this back and play a little old-school football, I, yeah, it feels like one of those guys has to be the odd man out, at least for a certain percentage of the snaps. I mean – well, it's yep. not it's not so much that there aren't it's not so much the numbers game I'm worried about. It's cuz a lot of teams have three tight ends on their team, on their on their, you know, active roster on a game day. The question is is Troutman can Troutman in their mind be that blocking tight end? 
Right, and I've always seen because like, you basically have. I've always projected him out as a better receiver than blocker, but maybe you're kind of thinking the other way around, or maybe they want to use both of them. I I don't I don't know, uh, but you figure Johnson's going to be the the main receiving tight end with what they gave him back to come back and how he developed as a receiver. Oh no 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 question about that, and and look and looking forward to to his development. But but if that happens and they go with those three, then I think. I'm not saying, you know, they're nowhere near. There's no Travis Kelsey's here and no, and no nothing anywhere near a Kelsey. But I still think that a year ago at this time, everyone was saying that tight end was a major question mark. And I think it was ended up being one of the stronger positions, which is sad to say, on the offense last season. And I don't think it's a question mark anymore. Yeah, I would agree with you. There. Especially if they sign Morrow. Yeah, it's no longer a question mark. So... That 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 part now, I guess it's possible they'll sign somebody else between now and then, other than Moro, obviously, uh, which could be an option. Um, a lot of people keep pushing the the Mac Hollins. Um, again, I, it's not that I want a full fledged onslaught of Raider players coming to New Orleans, but um, I also has experience with with Derek Carr, and he's kind of a big bodied receiver, so he could he could fit that mold. Yeah, and you know, I mean, Matt Collins has certainly been up and down in his career, but he's had—he's uh, been one of those guys who's gotten a lot of training camp buzz from time to time, and um, you know, depending how much stock you put in quarterback receiver relationships, it wouldn't hurt to have a couple of guys that Derek Carr's familiar with. But um, he was super familiar with Devontae Adams last year, and that was maybe part of the reason they got back to get. Well, it was—it was a big part of the reason they got back together from being college teammates. So. At something Carr clearly values is familiarity, so maybe he's the one kind of pushing for some of these moves. But uh, yeah, the Raiders weren't exactly the greatest offense in the world, so I don't know if we need to stockpile all their talent. Oh, someone's telling me that Holland signed this this weekend. I, I missed that. If I that missed happened. that as well. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway, it is. Uh, you know, I I kind of think they they might make one or two more moves, but I mean, again, our. They caught us off guard with that flurry of activity last week, and uh, it was it was certainly refreshing. And and so we'll see if um, if they make one or two more splashes before the 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 draft. Which you know by the end of this week or next week, it's it's going to be it's it's time to to dive right back into it. So we'll be doing that by the end of this week, probably and certainly by next week. We'll take a timeout. Be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline is 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. We talk Cajun baseball and softball, NFL, World Baseball Classic. We mentioned LSU and the baseball team opening up. 
won two out of three <coughs> at Texas A&M. Look, obviously the game, the the Tigers have one of the best pitchers, if not the best pitcher in the country. So there's no issues on on Friday night and there as long as he's healthy. And that was the case again this weekend. But um, on game two, uh, Ty Floyd went three and a third innings. He um, gave up five runs. Now, two of them were unearned, four hits, two walks, and three strikeouts. That's not a terrible outing, but you'd like your starting pitcher to go, you know, you know, give you at least five maybe. Uh, you would like, you know, it'd be great if you can get more than that, but you'd like to get at least five. And then Thatcher heard yesterday, once again, three and a third. So it, it's the first series. No reason to panic. I'm not saying, you know, you have a major problem here or anything necessarily. But what I'm saying is, you know, as you get on in the SEC schedule, you got to get more than three out in a third, obviously, from your starting pitching, and that's going to come out to bite you because, you know, just about everyone who came out of the pin, Cooper and Shores and Little, got hit yesterday. So, again, that to me, that's the only problem with playing a schedule like LSU played. I understand why schools at that level play those schedules, but you just – especially with your bullpen, you're just not really tested that much. And so, um, you know, it's going to be more important. They're going to have to get more than three and a third innings from their starting pitching looking forward. And so we'll see how uh, that plays out moving on, obviously. But, again, it's not anywhere near of, all right, let's, you know, panic buttons stuff here. But you still, it, it's something that you have to look at a little bit because you need more than that out of your starting pitch. And LSU will play Central Arkansas um, tomorrow, and then they will play an even more challenging SEC opponent in Arkansas. Uh, A&M was good, obviously. And Arkansas, now you're at home, but still, I mean, that is a that is a big-time um, SEC series, you got two top ten teams. Arkansas is ranked sixth, and they will open that three-game weekend series at the box at 7 o'clock on Friday. So I hope that the weather is a little cooler, I mean a little warmer, and it, all indications is that it will be. But, again, good weekend for LSU, but nah, I wouldn't consider it a great weekend. And, again, a couple of issues kind of – raise it's you know kind of made you raise your eyebrows say hmm how is that gonna go on long term so we'll see how how that plays out uh again the game hotline is 337-706-0111 so you know coach Deggs pointed out referred to last year how if you remember the Cajuns opened Sunbelt Conference play by getting swept, and it just puts you, you know, in such a, a bad position right out the block. I mean, you're just, you know, you're all excited. You open conference season, and then all of a sudden you're 0-3, and you feel like, you know, every game is so important the rest of the way because you're trying to play catch-up. That's, that's, that's a tough position 
to be in. And so the Cajuns, fortunately, were able to experience the other side of that by sweeping Arkansas State. And, uh, you know, so we'll see how, you know, if they can build on that. It, it, it's certainly um, going to be very important to get off to a good start. And for LSU, you know, you, you, you win two out of three on the road and then you play in a really good team in Arkansas. So I think we're going to find out a whole lot more about if LSU is quite as good as we think that or everyone seems to think that they are. But this is going to be quite a challenge this weekend against the Razorbacks. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, this is Reno. How you doing? Good, sir. Hey, I had a question. Y'all talked about Saints uh, earlier about tight end, wide receiver. Who the hell do they have as wide receiver right now? Is Jarvis Landry still on the team? Well, no. Well, no. He's a free agent. So who they have? Uh, uh, Olave and Michael Thomas, if he's healthy. Didn't they? Didn't uh, uh, Callaway go somewhere else? Uh, well, Callaway, yeah, they they just they did they declined the option on him, so yeah. probably he will be somewhere else. I guess that's not a hundred percent sure. Shahid really played well last last year. It yeah. looked like he's a guy that could be a deep threat. Um, and so, no, I, I agree with you. They need another wide receiver. There's no I mean, question about. Yeah, it. who do, who do they have? Because I'm not putting any any stock in um, in Thomas because you could get hurt again. Absolutely. I mean, so they need someone else. I mean, it, the offense, you know, they need a running back, which I think they could address in the draft. Uh, but they definitely need um, a wide receiver, a veteran or wide receiver. I, I, I agree. They need somebody to do what they were hoping that Jarvis Landry would do last year that he didn't do because he was hurt just like Michael Thomas was all year long. So, yeah, they they, yeah. they, they, they definitely need a veteran blockout receiver, as I, w- I would call him. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah, and uh, I'm really happy that uh, UL won, made a sweep of it. I was kind of suspect on their pitching, uh, especially I went to the Campbell game and uh, to um, uh, another game, and I, I – yeah, I had suspect there, but I'm glad they they were able to get the sweep. LSU, I don't know what happened in the last game because I was I was keeping up with the score, and they were up in the waning innings of the game, and then I look again and they lose eight to six. Like what the hell? Well, everyone, every reliever they brought in gave up two runs yesterday, so that that's not a good recipe. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's not that's not a good bullpen to hang your hat on, so no, hopefully no, they sir. can correct it. All righty, All I appreciate right, well, the call. Thank you, sir. By the way, we mentioned Mac Hollins earlier. He signed with the Falcons. Man, the Falcons, I'm telling you, the NFC South has been incredibly active, and I think, you know, one, they all those teams had some holes to fill, and two, I think everybody realizes why not go for it. I mean, you know, the division seems kind of what well, it does. It's wide open right now. So I, I certainly get the mentality of go for it. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're making a lot of signees. Now, we, we, we see what the Yucks did at, at quarterback. I don't know how well that's going to work, but they did. You know, they have a young guy in Trask, and then they signed Baker Mayfield. And we're all assuming – 
that the Arnolds are going to pick Stroud or Young or whoever they decide, you know, they're going to be going with a rookie starting quarterback or probably Crawfish to start the season and then kind of ease the rookie in is, is is the number one thought. But And we all know who the Saints have a quarterback. Now, the Falcons, I guess, still have a serious quarterback issue. You know, I, I they, you know, they said they're not going to go after Lamar Jackson. I don't understand that. I'm glad, and I hope it's really true. But I, I still, I still wonder if that's going to be, you know, how that's going to take place. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, good morning, Kevin. How you doing, sir? Good morning, sir. How are you? Doing well. Doing well, man. Long time, but uh, I just happened to tune in, and I heard you talking. You know, football, and I couldn't couldn't resist myself. But uh, I, nah, man, I think I think uh, that that Falcon signing of, of Max Hollins, man, from the Raiders, man, I think that is a really really good signing uh, for them. I, I think they have knocked it out of the park thus far in free agency. Uh, of course, bringing on you know two guys from our from our defense and Ellis and uh, and the defensive tackle. And then, and then bringing in Max Hollins, and I and I I'm gonna go ahead and disagree with you on that. I think I think the uh, quarterback situation for them is basically solidified with with Desmond Ritter, and you know his first game he started against us, which they lost. But I saw enough in that game, and I was real high on Desmond Ritter coming out of the draft last year. I actually wanted the Saints to draft him, but uh, when he went. When he went to Atlanta, I was like, "Man, we 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 are gonna have a time with this guy," because I think he's just Matt Ryan 2.0, but that that could run, you know. <laughs> he actually has a gun. Uh, he throws on the run. He was very accurate in, in that game against us in the Superdome, and so I think the the sky's the limit for this guy. And then you get and you go out and you give you get him another weapon in free agency, along with the uh, rookie that they drafted last year who looked promising. And not to mention, they still got the tight end who's going to be coming back. So, uh, you know, they have some optimism for sure. Uh, as for the Saints, uh, you know, picking at the last half of the first round, I'm not quite sure where we go from here. We address some things in the free agency and the defense and the defensive tackle positions, uh, which which we, we we still need some depth in that area. But do we go ahead and you know draft a guy in the first round? When, when we just signed two free agents uh, for that for the, for those positions, and then also uh, the defensive end position as well. Now I know we still got Carl Grandison, who's expected to kind of fill in the role for for Davenport. He played very well last year, but uh, I think we're going to miss Davenport not being on the team. Uh, and, I, and I I don't think you could always measure a guy's impact on the defense by the number of sacks that he gets. But 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 by the amount of pressure and, and, and the ways that he affected the opposing team's quarterback, and uh, I give you a perfect example of that. Uh, and, and you remember Aaron Smith? Was it Aaron Smith that played defensive tackle for the Forty ers when when he would just obliter- obliterate like teams' offensive guards and tackles, and he would not he would never really get the sack, but he was always effective and just pushing the pocket and. Uh, I don't know if his name, if his first name was was Aaron, but I know his last name was was Smith. Jamar, and, uh, man, that, that guy was a player. Yeah, uh, uh, but you know, it's the, gonna be and interesting. I, Go ahead. 
I think the other thing for the Saints is they have to determine was Turner gonna do they do they do they still think that Turner can be what they thought he was? Um, you know, you, we saw small flashes of it, but they were way too small, and so. You know they have. They obviously have to have a pretty strong opinion. You would think of whether man, we this guy's just a bust, or do we think that Turner can still be what we drafted him to be? And that's going to play a lot into whether they draft another one of those uh, defensive ends uh, this year. True, true. My, I'm just interested to see where they go with with the with the first round pick at the end of the first round. Uh, you know, I. The, the, the draft is very, very heavy on, on talented running backs this year, on talented wide receivers, on talented everything. <laughs> so well, you really got you really got to pick a litter, but you really I think great... you got some real some real gems in this draft, some five star players, if you will, that could really uh, play an immediate impact on on this team. Uh, it, it, it's, one, a, it's a tight end one draft. Name only, go ahead. It's a tight end draft and a running back draft. I don't think it's considered a great wide receiver draft, but uh, there's also plenty of edge rushers. So if they want to do the edge rusher thing, they certainly can do that. But I got to get to a break. It's great hearing from you again. All right, always, Kevin. You have a good one. You too. Thank you. Take be t- time out and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. There's one issue or subject that we have not discussed yet on today's show that happened over the weekend. And coming back on Friday, I got a chance to listen to some of the Pelicans game on the air when they had the meltdown against the Rockets. And I got to tell you, I was, I guess I don't really have much of a frame of reference because I got, you know, I can't even remember the last time that I heard an NBA radio broadcast. Like, it's not something that I really do. So I maybe it's this way for other NBA teams around the, but I mean, this cat was really angry. <laughs> Over-the-top negative. I'm like, man, they want him to be this? I, I could, Again, it, it's probably a lot like I sound when, when the Saints or the Astros are, are doing bad, but I'm not the play-by-play voice of those teams. So, I mean, it's like it was just it – was, it was painful to listen to because I could just hear the anguish in his voice and you you know it looked like the way it happened at the end of the game it, it, it sounded like or he thought and I'm again I'm not watching I'm listening that they that the Rockets had hit a three to tie the game but actually it turns out that the foot what they ruled the foot was on the line so it was only a two so with just precious few seconds left I think it was four they actually were up by one so he's thinking well it doesn't matter he said because they're going to hit a three-pointer anyway I mean it's like 
And look, when your team is struggling, I get it. Like you, it's hard to get that mentality. When, when your team has a, they had like a sixteen-point lead, late third, early fourth, and then they start, you start melting down a little bit. You know, you can just see it coming, and so it's hard to be positive in that situation when that lead goes down to twelve, and then eight, and then four, and you just continually not curbing that that streak that they're on and, and Houston's kind of a weird team. Look, the week before they beat the Celtics and the Lakers. And so it's not like they're a completely inept team, but on paper you sh- you should beat them. Now they came back and beat them by 10 last night, but it is um it that was, you know, certainly not a loss that was good and man, I was I was like, "Oh, this this poor guy." It's just, and I could imagine Nick watching the game at the same time. Just, it's just rough. And then, you know, you get reminded it it, it can be rough being a sports fan. There's a guy in my church yesterday who's a lifelong Purdue basketball fan, and he was just crushed. And I was like trying to up. <laughs> it was just, I was like talking to him and. You know, I'm trying to be sympathetic because I know what it's like when 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 you have a loss like that. I mean, what do you say? What do you do? It's like, oh, and especially in the Purdue situation where, like, they've had this isn't just a one year thing. They've had constant meltdowns lately. Oh, it's just awful. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? How are you, sir? Well, I'm doing good. I'm just listening to you uh, talking about our receivers in the previous caller a couple of callers ago talking about the concern. And I saw flashes of greatness in some of them last year. But what have you been screaming for all year long? A running back, and they got one. A downhill runner. Exactly, and that equals a better receiving team. All of a sudden, these guys with flashes of greatness – are going to come around, and they're going to look great. So we don't need to hyperventilate yet because these guys have the speed, they have the hands, and now the defenses are going to have to play up, and uh, that's going to create a lot of uh, havoc for the defenses. No, I agree, but I still would like to get one more what I call block out a, a, a physical wide receiver. Um and and just to give him another option there in case, you know, Plastic Man doesn't play, which, again, his track record over the last three years is that he's not going to play. So I just think that you have to assume that he's not going to play, and if he does play, then it's just tremendous. It's, it's just an added bonus. But um, So I, I, I still think there's room to pick up one more wide receiver, whether it's in free agency. I think you got to draft one. It um, doesn't have to be in the first round. I, I don't. I don't even suggest that you pick. I mean, it could be in the third round. I, I just think you need to add one more viable wide receiver piece. But I agree. If you do better, if you finally have a downhill runner in the running game, it's going to help the passing game. It's going to help everything. Yeah, and uh, I mean, last year, if you if you could, if you look at the numbers, and uh, Dalton didn't do that bad, and people can't put this all on Dalton at all. But the thing is that uh, 
the Plastic Man played a big part in getting uh, closing the deal on uh, cars. What I understand, I don't know if it's true or not, but. Well, I, you know, I don't know if he closed the deal, but I, I kind of thought that because he signed, you know, that helped, the core helped him decide to, to stay, but may, maybe he did play a role. Uh, you know, either way, I'm happy. I, I think it's great, and hopefully he can get motivated. And, and again, I don't know that motivation was right. He just needs to be healthy. I mean, it's just time to be healthy and get back to where when it's third and three, we feel real good about getting the first down again. Last year, you never really felt good about getting the first down on third and three. Yeah, but I, I think that he had an attitude last year, you know, and, and that translates to these ticky-tack injuries that keep you out of the lineup. And uh, athletes from high school forward do that sometimes to their – detriment and i think that he's going to come out and be back to his best self this year and that's going to make a big difference and I, i'm i'm excited about this year last year i was not unexcited but i wasn't expecting much more than they did you know at the end of the day but uh i'm hoping uh hoping for good things and uh i'm i'm really really excited about the running back deal oh i yeah, mean that's tremendous now we can. Now when we get into the red zone, we can get into the end zone. It, that would be nice. And tight ends help there, you know. But yeah, having a running back that you can run in between the tackles is a huge part of that. No question. Yeah. Okay. Good talking. Good hearing from you. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And, of course, I got all these, oh, you're an idiot. And, you know, what kind of Saints fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We just have one more segment left, and it's time for one or two phone calls. If you would like to get in, 706-0111, We mentioned the, that we're getting actually close to the start of the Major League Baseball season with two games to go in the World Baseball Classic. And I, I kind of spoke in generalities, but the the opening day is Thursday, March the 30th. So that is 10 days away. Astros open. The Astros actually have the ESPN game that very first night. Six o'clock start against the White Sox. But there's some, um, you know, it looks like everybody's playing that that first night on, on the Thursday. Giants at the Yankees. Talk about old school. Um, you know, obviously, the before they went to San Francisco, the Giants were in New York, and so that that was that's that's kind of a cool uh, opening game there series. But yeah, we're only ten days away. So on th- Thursday, March the thirtieth, the the Major League Baseball season will start. 
And again, it's just it's one game, one series out of obviously 162 games. So we don't want to build it up more. But it's always the first series is always kind of cool because you're starting a new season. Um, you know, the Guardians at the Mariners. I think both of those teams will be very much in the postseason race. I I would think. Um, White Sox and the Astros. The White Sox were very disappointing last year. I kind of think they'll do a little better this year. Um, Blue Jays at Cardinals. Like, I don't know if I have any memory of the Blue Jays playing the Cardinals in baseball. That's a strange matchup. But both of those teams I definitely think have postseason aspirations i sure hope the blue jays can hit that's for sure because my first and second round pick in my fantasy draft um were blue jay players so i hope they have great a great offensive year anyway but uh no it's um this is going to be a unique baseball season when it starts next week for a lot of reasons and one of them is that every it's the first time that they do where everyone's going to play everyone at least you know one series this year. It's never happened before, and also all these rule changes and to see how uh, all of that plays out uh, and how it impacts hitters here and there, and um, and how it impacts pitchers. So no, I, I think we'll obviously be talking more next week uh, when it, when we get there, but only a week and a half away before um, it's going to become more of a daily thing on the baseball season. So we'll see how how that plays out. But, no, it opens up, again, Thursday, 6 o'clock, White Sox at Astros on ESPN. Jose Altuve, obviously, I'm sure he'll be there, and they'll introduce him, but he won't be playing anytime soon. And so um, it'll that'll be a little bit of a – he's had a year – he's had some injuries before, but he's not been a very injured player. So there hasn't been that um, many times in his career since he came to Houston where he wasn't, you know, the centerpiece and uh, out there playing. And so his fans are going to have a bit of a, of a transition there. So, But, no, uh, I wanted to get a little more specific as far as, as that goes. And it, it will be a um, – you know, I think we're going to be mentioning there's a lot of things as the season starts in that first month. We're going to be viewing, okay, how did this rule change change anything? And I think another thing we're going to be looking at is guys who were in the, in, in the World Baseball Classic. Are they Do they get off the hot starts, slower starts? I, you know, that's some people are going to make some drastic conclusions based on that. You just don't know how that's going to work. Like right now, Trey Turner is as hot as a hitter can be. Um I remember a year ago, Yuli was as hot as a hitter could be. He was hitting like 500 almost in spring training, and then he got to the regular season and struggled and struggled. Thankfully, he came through in the postseason, helped him win the World Series, but he didn't have a great offensive year, and now he plays for the Marlins. So you just never know um, if a hot spring or a hot, in this particular year, a hot World Baseball Classic is going to translate into a fast start to the season. Doesn't doesn't always work that way. Um, you know, baseball is more of a day-to-day thing than, 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 you know, now guys go on hot streaks or you go into slumps. 
But to predict the carryover is very difficult to do. But a lot of because of the rule changes and because this is a World Baseball Classic year, we're gonna you know after the first. You gotta let it go a little ways. Probably a month. People are gonna start start talking about okay, who who in the World Baseball Classic got off? Did most of them hit better or worse than they normally do? All those kind of trends, and so we'll have that to look forward to. It'll spice things up and make give us a lot to pay attention to as the uh, Major League Baseball begins to unfold in the first month to six weeks. And again, the Astros will be without Altuve all that time, but. Um, as my daughter likes to tell anyone who hear, who, who, who will listen, uh, the Astros are way more than Jose Altuve, although some people, uh, don't really have that, that, that opinion. All right. So tomorrow will be a game day for the Cajuns and for the Tigers, some midweek games and going into a, um, Cajuns will be on the road at South Alabama. LSU will be at home against Arkansas. And it's also going to be a game day in the finals of the World Baseball Classic. So we'll be talking more baseball tomorrow. And hopefully it'll be a little warmer outside than it was this morning. So um, it, it it's certainly pretty in here looking outside because it's blue skies and the sun is shining. But a little chilly. Y'all have a nice day.